Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. James, are you going to be rocking the beard throughout the Christmas period? Yeah. You just, you've committed to that now? Yeah. It's a good beard. Oh, it's excellent. Thank you. It's not as... I, I thought because... So you haven't got really got many grey hairs, but I thought you've got kind of a, an orangey tint to the beard around the sides, but there's no grey in it. Well, I've got some grey in the chin bit. Are you on that Louis but... Figo vibe? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be more ginger. To be fair, there's a lot of there's a lot of ginger in the, the sides. sides. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. layered. It's a layered thing. Yeah. So it's got some quite autumnal tones in there. Few autumnal <laughs> notes. Yeah. That's nice. It's a good beard. Can you yeah. grow a good beard? You know what? I can grow a beard very, very quickly, but it's extremely bristly and painful. So I'm I'm not having it. You got to get through that phase, haven't you? That's you do. It's really itchy, and then after about maybe a week, it's fine. Or you could just not have a beard. Yeah, you could. Yeah. The dust is settling all over the Champions League group stage. It's over now. It's going to be ever so dusty by February. Is it going to be? Is it really? Well, yeah, it will. They'll have to it? blow the dust off again. Is that a climate change game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Greta. Thunberg. No one's laughing. Time personal. Time personal of the year. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of that Bob Monkhouse joke. Do you know that joke? No. He says, um, "When I was a kid." Um, I told everyone I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, and they all laughed. <laughs> Not laughing now, are they? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like the gagging joker. <laughs> um, what are the headline stories from the Champions League? And I can give you a little um, Christmas selection box of options if you want. Mm. Um, Ajax losing to Valencia to drop into the Europa League. Um, we'll all be sad to see the back of Salzburg, so maybe we'll talk about a couple of those stories. But for me... Um, Maybe the fact that only teams from the top five European leagues have made it through to the knockout stages this year. And there's been a bit of pearl clutching and hand-wringing about that this week. Um, what, what do you guys make of that as a situation? Well, I think it's a natural consequence of the reform of the Champions League, which was very much pushed by the ECA, headed by Andrea Agnelli, the president of Juventus, to lock in four um, places per league guaranteed um, for particularly in Italy's case Italy who had for a long time only had three places and only, only of which two are guaranteed and we always saw that the third Italian team coming back early uh, from pre-season to play those playoffs 
invariably lost them. Um, and now you've got a situation whereby that's just not a factor for them. Um, so just on a kind of... But how does that make it better for them? Just because there's, there's a, bit, a greater chance, quite simply there's a greater chance of those teams going through because there's more of them. Well, there's there's more of them. Uh, there's, 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 I would say, not only kind of one more, there's two more because of just the record that the Italian teams that finished third had in the playoffs. Um, yeah, that's that's they, a big deal. They, they would they yeah. would often go out. The number you can you can reel them off. I remember Roma, Udinese. S- yeah, thanks, Andy. Sam. Uh, <laughs> Napoli as well yeah. uh, against Athletic Bilbao. Um, that third team is guaranteed, and then there's another team that's guaranteed. So just just by sheer dint of numbers, um, the odds are stacked against a lot of these teams um, that are outside the the power five, the big five in uh, in Europe. So. In some respects, you can say this is what the likes of Agnelli Rummenigge wanted as the kind of compromise um, to stave off, for now, yeah. a European Super League. Because essentially, when you look at the names that are going to be in the round of 16 of the Champions League, it does read like a Super League, aside from, say, the presence of a team like Atalanta, who, you know, going by the same economics... Um, stratification that we see across Europe, they should be locked out of their own top four in City. Yeah, um, have they so, made enough money in the Champions League already to pay their wage bill for the entire season? Yes, they've so it's already a game made changer for them. Thirty-nine million from the Champions League, and their wage bill is thirty-six million, mm. um, which is staggering, um, really, because that wage bill is mid-table in Serie A. It's not like it's yeah. fifth, sixth, and there's a bit of variance, and all of a sudden they can yeah. get in. They have completely outperformed. Um, their their wage bill. So, but aside from that, looking at looking across Europe, it is very much the elite, um, the teams that have well at least by geography are in the the richest wealthiest leagues. Andy, are there any teams that haven't made it through the group stage that perhaps you thought would? Yeah, I, I think if we talk about the, um, I, I guess ownership of the Champions League by those those big leagues. We should look at the other um, teams that, that didn't get through. So not just the teams like Inter that that didn't get through, but tough, also tough group for them. But the, the <clears> fact <throat> that Salzburg w- weren't a million miles away. Yeah. Um, the fact that in that group with the, the Leipzig and Lyon qualified from um, Zenit could have quite easily qualified from that. Benfica, if they'd have held on to to, to that lead they had at Leipzig, remember they were leading 2-0 at Leipzig going into the, the 90th minute. And if they'd have gone on to beat Zenit as they did in um, the, the the final game, we, we'd maybe be talking about them going through. So, you know, I, I don't think we should be talking about this being the moment where it's all come home to roost. I think he's very, very high, uh, fine margins. But as James said, this has been in the post for, for a while. Um, because of the fact that the, the the top four teams from the top four leagues have, have have been getting through automatically, I guess some would argue that that does make the playoffs less foreboding for some of the other teams from other leagues who are you know say the third place team in France or the, who've who've not had to qualify in the last two couple of years, or um you know the the the, um, the qualifiers from Russia or Turkey you know it does it does give them them more of a chance. So there are, there are two sides to it. But but the other thing is, I think you always have to say that UEFA have, have, have got this, this sort of balancing act. I mean, people keep saying um, a European Super League is inevitable. Um, I, I guess the, the reality of that is, I don't think it's inevitable in terms of we're going to wake up one morning and there's going to be this breakaway. I just think it is incremental change. The, the, the fact that it's, it's happening year by year. First, the, the reformatting of the European Cup as the Champions League in, in 1992 and everything that's 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 happened in in the meantime. And it's, it's an incredible balancing act for, for UEFA to keep the biggest clubs happy and keep the most unruly clubs, I suppose, like Juventus and, and Bayern happy and yet make it competitive. I mean, that's incredibly difficult and I don't think you can... You can put it all on the organiser of the competition for 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 the, for the way it's changed. I mean, I would actually say there have been some positive changes for the the, the Champions League in, in in the past ten or fifteen years. I mean, we were talking, weren't we, James, before we we, we came on air? The fact that um, you know Atalanta are the the, the, the first 
team to have like got one point from their first four games and and then gone on to to, to qualify in the group. Yeah. But of course, they're the second team to have lost the first three games in the group and gone through the other being Newcastle United in what was it two thousand and two, I think. Um, that will seem like that, a lifetime ago to Newcastle United fans everywhere, right? Ex- exactly. But that was that was in the the second group stage. Mm. And you can't tell me that they're not being a second group stage anymore in the Champions League is is not a good thing. It's it's, it's a very good thing that it's not there in the, any anymore. So people saying that the the, the Champions League changes have just been a one way street over the last ten fifteen years. I, I don't think that's correct. Well, I mean, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry on this election yeah. day to uh, bring that to you. Mm. But if you look at um, what reforms are coming for the the next rights tender, um, a new competition, which some people thought, oh, always missed the Cup Winners' Cup. Wouldn't it be great to have that back? This isn't the Cup Winners' Cup. Mm. It's the wonderfully uh, named UEFA Conference. Mm. Um, I mean, they've really focus grouped that. Um, I mean, it, <laughs> certainly... I, I missed the uh, name of the conference since the conference has become and, the National League for what it's yeah. And while it is kind of more European football for more clubs, it is another way just to kind of make the Champions League a higher concentration of elite teams. Yeah. You know, and so it's this kind of creeping death idea. But, 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 what, but James, what, sorry, Andy, what, what, James, what do you make of Andy's point that it's not necessarily a tipping point, it's just a, it's a fine margin, sliding doors moment? Because last season, um, I know we saw Ajax go very deep in the, to- in, in the tournament and maybe we'll come on to them shortly. But Exactly, they only needed a point. Yeah, there, there, were, there were only two teams outside of that. Yeah traditional top five in um, uh, Porto and Ajax who made it through to the knockout phase last sure. season so it just feels like human. the human brain has got a kind of interesting way of going right that's a pattern we're going to focus on that now whereas last season it was only two teams different uh, and no one said a thing mm. no and yeah there was a lot um, yeah that going to even the final match there I mean I think on Tuesday and Wednesday I think there were in total, only maybe four groups that still had a kind of sense of jeopardy about them. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I mean, we could have, you've, yeah, Andy's mentioned those teams. We could have had Salzburg, for example. Um, I'll be sad to see the back of Salzburg, I'll be honest. Yeah. They've been really fun. Yeah. And, and I think well, that, that would have been a plucky underdog story, wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> no, but it, on the pitch, on no, the pitch, no, they've right, been fun. Right. And, and what's actually happened, I think, sorry to wrestle it away from you, James, but I think it's probably a good time to talk about um, Salzburg. Chiefly as well because we've seen Holland um, and his and his agent being carted around a lot of place. Not just his agent. Yeah. Who's his agent? Minarola. Yeah, there we go. Thank um, you. But they publicity machine, Andy. Do you, do you, do you, do you, <laughs> yeah, do you think with with um, Salzburg? I mean, we saw that they played this kind of interesting attacking football. It felt to me like they would they would just attack, 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 leave themselves open. But because all the attention's been on uh, Lars's friend uh, Erling Braut Holland. <laughs> They've, they've, it's kind of been overlooked a bit. They've got two or three other good players as well. Well, I don't think anymore. I mean, the reports as we were coming in this morning for uh, to record the pod is that Liverpool are ready to go for... All of them. Going to sign all of them. Oh, really? Okay. And, and that there's a buyout clause in his contract uh, of around £7 million, uh, which is tiny. Wow. Um, I mean, I mean there are, Liverpool could take a shit and lose £7 million. <laughs> That's the dominance of the Premier League. So they're, they're going to they're gonna hoover him up, aren't they? So, I mean, we're not even getting to the end of the season and there's the potential for a team like Salzburg to be to be broken up. Mm. Um, now, you know, as Andy mentioned, when he uh, he said plucky little underdog story, this, yeah. this, is, this is a team that has the wealth from the, uh, the, the RB empire behind them um, and also, you know, has succession plan after succession plan this is very much their business model you know one day they, they they did not aspire to keep Erling Haaland for the rest of his career and for him to be you know end his career scoring 3,000 goals in Austria um, <laughs> he's already done that this, this, this season this was this was all, always going to be on the cards it's just it, it, it's, it's but he's only 19 fast so track there's, um, there, what about um um, Huang, another player who's caught the eye and looked looked fantastic. He's been terrific, and I, I yeah. think sometimes because we're in the age of the superstar, you can look at players in isolation. But it's really not all been about Holland. It's been about the partnership between him and Huang, which is in, in, incredibly intuitive. Um, two very intelligent players. Huang always knows the run that Holland wants to make, as does Yunusovic. If we're looking further back up the pitch, mm. a more experienced player, and that's something we saw against Liverpool, wasn't it? That we 
they they tried to hit that channel for for Holland all the time because he, he he does love the 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 ball in front of him. Um, but like James, I, I think um, Salzburg are in a very good position to to regenerate because you know they've it's taken them a long time to get here. They've done very well in the Europa League, um, and I think. If they hold on to those players, I think they could be one of the favourites going through. I mean, you always look at the teams in third place in their Champions League group falling into um, the Europa League and, and, and changing the picture. And they're definitely one of the ones I, I think that that comes up along with along with Inter and along with Ajax. But um, if you go back to what 2015, when Oscar Garcia was made coach of of, of Salzburg, that was a sea change for them mm. because. Um, in the Red Bull Empire, and yes, we realise they're separate entities now, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but that was when uh, Leipzig were re- really on the, the the fast track to success, and there was a bit of a, a reordering of of, of priorities, uh, and that has only um, increased since uh, Leipzig have in- established themselves in the Bundesliga and established themselves as a, a, a genuine title contender, and. I, th- I think the, the interesting thing is that Oscar Garcia um, was brought in uh, not because of uh, his work, particularly with Watford and Brighton, but because of his his background at, at Barcelona. The fact that he's someone who understands about player development, who understands about an academy. And I, I remember um, talking to him shortly after they were knocked out for one of what seemed about 15 times from the, the, the playoff round of the, the Champions League and didn't get into the, the Champions League group. And of course, they only broke that cycle this year. And him saying, well, look, the team they lost, I think they were knocked out by Dinamo Zagreb that year. And him saying, that, well, you know, we had four 19-year-olds in the lineup. Mm. I, I don't know what people expect. We're starting a different way. It's a very young team now, isn't it? Even? Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of those big players. Well, really, the, the, the only experienced players in there, Ulmer, the captain, uh, and, fullback. And, and left back, yeah, yeah. and um, Yunuzovic. And, and that's, I mean, that's it, really. Apart from that, they're mostly under 24, and in some cases, un- under 21. Separate point to draw from the final Champions League match day, and you can say it was because it was the final Champions League match day that we saw this. Um, but you've got Ansu Fati becoming the youngest ever Champions League goal scorer, scoring mm. the winning goal at San Siro for Barcelona against Inter. Um, you look at two of Real Madrid's three goals. It's the 18-year-old Rodrigo and 19-year-old Vinicius Jr. Mm. Is this a link to Joaquin's hat-trick last weekend? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think... And then I was watching uh, Napoli Genk and you had Van der Voort um, become the youngest ever goalkeeper to make his uh, make an appearance in the Champions yeah. League. Uh, the game is getting younger. Mm. I mean, it's the and we now look at players. I mean, maybe I'm looking at this in an Italian perspective, where you're young until you're about 35, <laughs> but, but and you still live with your mum, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, you know, ultimately, it's it's incredible how you're already looking at players who I say begin their careers in Champions League football. Mm. 16, 17, by the time they get to 19, 20, like you look at Mbappe now, you think, it feels like Mbappe has been around for like a five, yeah. six years. Celebrate, celebrate his 21st birthday last week, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And you think of the kind of, the, the the quality of football that he's got under his belt already. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it's, a, it's a time to be young. What, you, what, what we're seeing, I think, is we used to see, and to an extent, we do still see this, but the, the cycle's definitely moving on, where you have a team of, varied ages normally and you would it's the done thing to bring a couple of young players in but the idea is still in a lot of cases you need experience around them I think what we're going to see is we're actually going to see a vastly younger teams with one or two experienced players in there as kind of old heads yeah, yeah. I and agree. that's going to be how the, how the game's going to go and, and, and Salzburg have, have been ahead of the curve for a while like I said both their centre-halves are 21 aren't they yeah, uh, and, yeah. and you know it's, it's not much different at Leipzig actually no. they've got they've got the, the best young defence in, in Europe with Apemecano and um, Ibrahima Konate but I, I think it, it it all ties into a, a philosophy doesn't it this was their idea from, from way back and this is why they got Oscar Garcia and they wanted to bring down the age of the team and it informs the way they play as well when you look at the way they they went for Liverpool you look at the the, the way they pressed you look at the way they they got up the pitch and you think where does this energy come from well this energy comes from them being really young now obviously they weren't able to to carry that on after the, the, the first Liverpool goal I mean it's another trait isn't it of a very young team that once their heads begin to drop it's, it's, it's very 
difficult to to lift them up and, and get out of it. And they just had nothing left in the tank after Liverpool got those two goals in, in, in double quick time. But, you know, they'll be back, I've no doubt about that, whether it's in the Europa League or, or next season. Can we have a little mention for uh, Lyon? It's strange scenes uh, there after Lyon goes you through. Could say. I will say. And then you're going to tell me why I'm wrong normally. That's how it works. <laughs> um, Lyon go through in, to, to the knockout stage. It should be a source of great... Um, Great celebration. Uh, there's some kind of scuffle involving a banner. Memphis tries to grab the banner, I think. He then yes. claims later he was spat on by Leon fans who were unhappy. Um, I th- Andy, I'm, I'm sort of fudging this, but I think they were unhappy about a certain player's performance and Memphis took exception to that and said we should all be united and it all got a little bit nasty. What, what happened is, and this goes back to what we were talking about on, on, on here um, a month or so ago about uh, Marcelo, the former captain of, of, of Lyon. Um, after... He exchanged words with some supporters at Lisbon Airport after um, the game they lost at Benfica. Um, he's, he's been persona non grata amongst a, a section of the hardcore. Airport scuffles are one of my favourite scuffles. I think it's the, it's the it's probably just below supermarket on the undignified scale of where a scuffle should happen and shouldn't happen. <laughs> like a, a player having a scuffle with a fan in an airport mm. is to me just lovely stuff. Oh, I, I I think it's it's not real unless it involves coaching stuff. Carlos Queiroz, he was a, he was he was a fan in tracksuits, right? Yeah. He's got to be by the baggage Absolutely. carousel as what, well. What fans have what fans have also got to realise? It's like okay, set the scene. You're at the baggage carousel. Mm. You want to have a little pop at a player. I mean, don't do that. But say you didn't want to do that, right? <laughs> What's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what. One straight away, you're at a disadvantage. You're probably you've probably you're either pissed or you've got a hangover, yep. and you're not wearing suitable clothing for it. Probably they're going to be in training gear. They're professional athletes, and they're well organised and used to working together. And they've probably got a trolley. And yeah. you don't want the trolley in the ankles. Man, it, that's like, the worst injury you could get. It's it's never nice, is it? When you bumped into some you know, some family of four bumps into you with a with a with, no. a, with yeah. It's when you turn around I mean, and it's Kevin Keegan with a load of Bulgarian pottery. <laughs> that's the last thing you need. Get, sorry, Leon. So, Leon, talk about Leon. Sorry. Yeah. So there's there's been this banner doing the rounds that, that says uh, it's got a picture of a donkey on it and it says uh, Marcelo Degage, which means Marcelo clear off. Right, and um, that that has been doing the rounds. There was someone, the person holding it, was on the pitch as the players were celebrating this fantastic comeback. Actually, they were two 0 down and pretty much out of the Champions League at halftime. Mm. They came back uh, to two two. Memphis was a huge part of that. Scored the equaliser, and um, of course, combined with Zenit's three 0 loss at Benfica, it meant they went through. Now the players were approaching the Virage Nord, where most of the hardcore. Uh, are and um, yeah, they Memphis spied this guy with the banner and understandably wanting to protect his teammate, he tried to take it off him. And um, then there are a lot of people getting involved, there were some angry fans, very much like some of the pre general ele- election coverage in the UK this week. There are videos and there were no punches thrown, right? But um, Memphis went um, on camera afterwards and, and talked about it, and it, it, it looked quite teary, he was, he was, he was upset. And um, he said, look, you know, I, I've been that guy before and I don't want to be that guy now. But the fact is, I've I've got to stand up for my, my teammates. And he's the captain. And it's interesting because so few people thought he was a suitable captain when he was appointed. And why would you appoint him as captain? You think of him as flaky, individualistic, outrageously talented as well. Pains you to sell these things, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. This, this is exactly what a captain should do. Work to keeping a team together, keeping the dressing room together. And that really has vindicated Rudy Garcia. Rudy Garcia, who's had his own issues with the fans, of course. And this isn't an isolated incident because of the um, the, the reaction from that hardcore towards Marcelo. That reaction towards Rudy Garcia. I was there last week and when they read out the team, Rudy Garcia's name's booed. Mm. Um, th- this is the, the atmosphere in, in some sections of the stadium has been poisonous. And, and this has been coming for a while now I think to finally have a moment because the club haven't really wanted to deal with it um, to, to have the most important player in the team and the captain who are now one and the same step forward and say okay I'm going to deal with this yeah you feel it, like it maybe shouldn't have been left to him to yeah, do that maybe not <clears throat> but there, there are people saying oh how can how can Memphis come back from this well I think this strengthens his position. This makes him look like the captain well, that that nobody, nobody thought Andy, he would. I mean, you watch him. You watch Leon far more than I do, obviously. But you you see the the last league game Leon played away in Nîmes. 
and Neem have a player sent off after about five minutes yeah. and then a second player sent off. Yeah. And it actually takes Leon to about 25 minutes to go before they can kill the game off. Well, and yeah. it's Depay who scores both the goals. Yeah, I mean, bear, bear in mind... That He's been in important game, for them, hasn't he? Yes. Very important, yeah. very efficient this season. Mm. Um, bear in mind, they were playing 11 versus 9 yeah. from just before half-time, as you say. And it took them 20 minutes of the second half to get a shot on target. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that's struggling for, for function at the moment. There's no doubt about that. Interesting postscript. You know, we talked about Mrs. Marcelo afterwards, like putting a flag in the sand and saying, right, I'm having no nonsense from these ultras. Now, if we thought that these waters could do without a bit of oil being thrown on them. Well, um, she's been on Instagram again. and uh, Let's get the gossip and these wicked whispers, James. Let's do it. <laughs> no names being mentioned. M- in, mention them. In, in this uh, post. But it says, about leadership, a player who once belonged to an organised crowd can never be leader of a group. He will never defend a group. And yes, himself or the crowd that belongs. Real captain must have character, respect and love for the next. And not being captive... Four, I think it means by uh, ego and vanity. Congratulations, Memphis. You are definitely a real captain. Now, I'm not trying to put Always words... welcome in Marcelo's house. Yeah. I'm not trying to put words in Tatiana's mouth here, mm-hmm. but she's talking about Anthony Lopez. Right. The, the, the goalkeeper, yeah. who's one of the, the biggest figures in the Leon dressing room and is very close to the Ultras group. Uh, one of I the main Ultras like groups. Now, which now this begins him, with... Don't want to put words in her mouth, but... Yeah, this is what she means. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's well, interesting. Uh, it's, it's, so, it's so, the, so the plot thickens. To, it's difficult to see who else it, it might refer to. Now, Lopez is kind of bulletproof there. He's just signed a new contract. He's someone who's, who's stable. He's one of the most important players in the team. But as this situation gets worse between the Ultras and the team and Rudy Garcia, if there's not a lid on it... It puts Anthony Lopez in a very, very difficult position. There's there's no doubt about that. But whatever happens next, I mean, Memphis, who is a player that, you know, when he's been linked to big clubs before, I thought, are you kidding? I mean, mm. you know, we know he's got talent, but really? Mm. Really? Is he going to go and establish himself at a bigger club? Mm. This is the sort of thing that thinks, actually, maybe, maybe we've got him a bit wrong. It's not just that he's producing at key moments, but that he can stand up like this, I think will make people look at him in a, a different light. All right, let's round this uh little section up James by coming to you and talking about um, a team that when they were drawn in their Champions League group their odds of winning the Champions League went straight out to 80 to 1 did you cash out so, in time Lukey the judge chucked a little cut of quid on them did you cash out in time Andy I'll get to that <laughs> I think you know the answer to that um, <laughs> they've now gone out in in I mean, fairly, well they've had a quite a dramatic week really because I'm going to talk about Inter of course for those yeah. who haven't filled in the blanks um They've had a, quite a dramatic. They've gone out of the Champions League in a, from a position where you thought actually they've set themselves up quite well to go through here, and they weren't able to do it. But they also went top of Serie A because mm. of um, what happened with Juventus losing to Lazio. But give us a quick um, roundup of, of of Inter's Champions League campaign under Antonio Conte, a guy who let me get this in, James, a guy who apparently is just unlucky in the Champions League, <laughs> according to you. No, I didn't. You tore strips off me when I, I said he couldn't do it I in didn't Europe. say that. I mean, if you, if you want to go listen back to my kind of uh, assessment of Conte's uh, campaigns in Europe, then by all means go back. Otherwise, we're going to waste 10 or 15 Are they minutes. Napoleon-esque, would you say? Well, no, I mean, there, there, you could say there was it was snow in Istanbul rather than, you know, on the, on the on outside of Moscow, which did for him. Um, is Romelu Lukaku his Josephine? Well, I mean, Lukaku has come in for a lot of stick um, uh, in the last 48 hours uh, on the back of the performance against Barcelona. He scored, but he also missed three chances that, um, to some people, Fabio Capella, for example, All right. you, you, you can't miss um, if, if, if you're a striker for Inter and you've got something on the line, which is Champions League qualification. Hmm. Um, Inter will look back on, on the group stage and say that we were in a very tough group. It was the group of death um, with Barcelona, Dortmund uh, and Slavia Prague, who were much better than a lot of people were anticipating um, and has shown a pedigree in the Europa League last year when they knocked out Sevilla and yeah, that is Sevilla's competition. Um, but the regrets will be dropping points to Slavia Prague at San Siro on match day one when they needed um, a late equaliser from Nicola Barella to get a point. Um, to have been in front against Dortmund as well 
in Dortmund mm. um, and and then to throw that lead away. 2-0 and then 3-2. And then lose that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, as Conte was saying after that game, you know, we've signed players from Sassuolo and Cagliari. Well, those players, Nic- uh, Nicola Barella and Sensi, who've become really important players, have been out injured. Um, you know, Barella's had surgery, Sensi has had repeated muscle injuries and has had to go see uh, Hans Muller Wolfhardt <laughs> in, uh, in Munich for some specialist Is he the go-to guy? Yeah, he's the go-to guy for that, that you, kind is, of thing. What, what, what was his injury, sorry? So he, he's got a muscle injury. I think, it's a, I think it's a groin injury. Is he the Dr. Richard Stedman of groins? No, no, well, no. I mean, Hans, Hans can turn his hands to many things. <laughs> um, but uh, So they went into this game against Barcelona and it was a Barcelona side that left Messi at home that left Suarez on the bench at the beginning. But when you say left Messi at home, I did that on purpose. It was, yeah. I didn't kind of like forget to pick him up. It's not no, an error. Right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Leonor. Yeah. Um, and, and Phil did an experimental team in which they mirrored yeah. Inter yeah. and uh, an Inter lost. Uh, uh, and they lost again, kind of pushing for the win, which yeah, happens in these sort of things. But I think those injuries in midfield um, where they were having to play Borja Valero and Matias Vecino um, both I think are still good players but not necessarily players who can play Conte football Borja Valero is, doesn't, is mm. not dynamic enough plays sideways he doesn't play forward and ultimately that was their undoing but you know they go down into the Europa League now I'm not entirely sure Conte will prioritise that competition I think Conte will look at the fact that he has a lead to defend in Serie A or a lead to extend in Serie A and it will all be about winning the Scudetto and ending the hegemony of uh, of Juventus at uh, in Syria. Supporters won't speak with me. Newspapers won't spoke, speak with me. Is my op- is my door is open? Twenty four hours a day in the back. I repeat, the last time I come here for work uh, for my career going better and better. Stop. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble.
James, another big piece of news from Serie A is not just <laughs> that Napoli have fired um, the uh, eyebrows of Carlo Ancelotti and indeed the rest of his body, <clears throat> but they've hired Gennaro Gattuso. Now, yeah. I'm very excited about this because my basic understanding of Gennaro Gattuso is obvious, <laughs> but you, you know a bit more about him than I do. Is, is this is this an appointment that's come up? Well, first of all, give it pick over the bones of, of Ancelotti's period at Napoli, but then also let us know kind of what they've looked for and what they're expecting from Gennaro Gattuso to take the club forward. So this was coming um, ever since the owner, Aurelio De Laurentiis, decided on detention for the team and he went on the radio and basically saying, you're going to have to stay at the training ground until you sort this out, guys. No wives, no girlfriends, no going home. I love that, I love that a, cl- a club can still do that in 2019. It's amazing to me. It's and probably that- against all sorts of European employment <laughs> regulations. <laughs> and Ancelotti came out and said he disapproved of it, yeah. which was, it led to some friction between him and the owner. Not a, a complete falling out, but it was like, you don't go against me. Yeah. It was a point of principle. And then the night after, there was this mutiny. Ancelotti ends up respecting what the the owner wanted, the players didn't. And there was this verbal exchange, heated exchange by some of the senior players and De Laurentiis' son. Um, and all of these things led to this kind of, not so much a breakdown in the relationship, because I think as they've been keen to stress, they are amicable, you know, be it Ancelotti and De Laurentiis and be it Ancelotti and the players and there's been a lot of speculation about whether there was a breakdown in his relationship with certain key figures in that Napoli dressing room I believe that's not entirely the case Um, but as Ancelotti himself has said the results just haven't been good enough Mm. under him you know they they went into that uh, game against Genk um, without a win in nine Uh, they are miles off um, con- contending for the Scudetto which was his stated objective he came out in pre-se- pre-season said second's no longer good enough so where they are now <laughs> is completely unacceptable and and so the the curious thing was is that on Monday and they were playing on Tuesday it leaks that the club has reached an agreement with Gennaro Gattuso to take over from him regardless of what the result is I thought Ancelotti actually was quite a dignified figure um, still being at the tiller knowing that uh, over the next few hours this was going to be his last game for Napoli and he's, he did his job you know he qualified I mean for whatever you make of of Napoli's um, record in Serie A this season in the Champions League um, they qualify undefeated um, they have what taken four points from six against the European champions Liverpool yeah they've beaten a a very good Salzburg side away from home um, mm. as well. And if you look at the money that that has brought in for Napoli, um, yeah, you can understand why it's with a heavy heart that they make this decision. But you know, Ancelotti, can, I think, feels he can leave with his head tail hides maybe a bit of a strong, strong way of looking at it, but certainly feels like he's done an okayish job mm. there. Gattuso comes in and I think one of the reasons for that is is he did a good job at Milan last year. Fiorentina are one of the clubs who've been sniffing around him because they've lost four consecutive games. It looks like things are falling apart under Vincenzo Montella. And I think Napoli, seeing that, thought maybe we the time is now to move. If we believe Gattuso is the right guy for us, we have to take him, otherwise someone else will take him off the board. Hmm. And so they have. Gattuso, his Milan side only finished a point um, a drift of Champions League football last year. And you look at where Milan are now. They've been a complete car ooh, crash for they, years, yeah. They've, they've not improved. Mm. Um, they've gone backwards. Um, and there was a sense that he did a, a good job in difficult circumstances. Uh, remember his first job in charge of Milan against Benevento when the goalkeeper scored. Uh, mm. and got. A, 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 <laughs> I think it was Benevento's first point. And we're <laughs> talking about like in December. Yeah. And, yeah. He, 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 uh, and, and Gattuso famously said it was like it was like a stabbing, which was, you know, <laughs> you know a little bit much. Maybe you need to study up on your communication strategy. <laughs> but so I think he, there is a characterization of as Cattuso as a, a disciplinarian, someone who won't suffer fools gladly, who who certainly will introduce standards um, and high standards. He's not this crazy shouter who'll, you know, sort of grab you by your shirt, shirt collar and have you up against the wall. Um, he's, 
he, there's actually a lot more nuance, I think, to Gattuso than people give him credit for. And I'm actually quite curious to see how he does. And what I wanted to ask really, James, is, I mean, it, it is different because this is a far more talented squad than he, he took over a, a Milan, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, he talked in his press conference after being appointed about he still thinks the the top four is a is is a possibility. Mm. And um, actually, we we got a tweet here from Havoy Posovac. I, I hope I've um, pronounced your name right. It says, uh, current seventh place in top five leagues, Spurs, Atletico, Bayern, Napoli and Lyon. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And that, that, yeah. that is absolutely amazing. Um, but w- what is realistic for him here, do you think? And, and, and will, will, they, will they have a, a, a proper crack in the last 16? I think you're, you're absolutely right, um, Andy, in that this is the most talented team that Gattuso's had. Um, the problem is that they're eight points adrift of the Champions League football mm. already. Um, and while you can look at Cagliari and think, can Cagliari keep this up? Mm. Um, I look at Atalanta and I look at Roma and I think they certainly can keep this up. If anything, they can actually get better. Um, so I think it's a he's he's got an uphill challenge ahead of him. The pro- the problem with that Napoli side for me is that it lacks balance. Um, the only uh, kind of he's not a holding midfield player, but he's certainly a dynamic midfield player in that he gets around, he recovers the ball, he screens the defense. That's Allen. When Allen's not there. Who's doing that job? And that defence, which they invested a lot in in the summer, bringing Costas Manlas and Di Lorenzo in, um, it hasn't kind of lived up to the expectation that we 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 thought you know it would become one of the best defences in the league. Instead, yeah, I think you're looking at it being, I think it's the seventh or eighth best defence, and that's one of the things that's really holding them back at the moment. Is it too simplistic to say um, that? He's come in after Surrey, who's a completely different manager who plays a completely different shape and style. And it's almost, it would be very, very difficult for anyone, however many months it is in, to adapt that with the players that he had at his disposal. And he would have had to have been backed in a big way, not just defensively, but midfield and attacking as well, mm-hmm. to actually find a shape that he could work with. And and the second question is, just to bring it back around to Ancelotti, it's very hard for me as a kind of casual Italian football watcher to really know what type of coach Ancelotti is. If, if you said to me what type of manager is he, I would say he's like a ultra kind of 21st century like player whisperer type guy who keeps all the big egos happy and people generally like him. But I, I couldn't tell you the style of football like he likes to play, like he's particularly known for. And, and I wonder if that's kind of held him back as well, given that they've got, he's followed someone with such a clear identity and philosophy that it's going to be hard for him. Well, it's, it's about intensity, isn't it, to a, to a degree? Well, it is. I, I mean, I've seen this over the, the, the last few days. Um, again, a lot of people going back to what happened at Bayern with Ancelotti. What, post-Guardiola? Well, where the players were unhappy with the intensity of the yeah. training sessions. Mark said that last week. They were unhappy the show, with the fitness coach but, but it, it's, smoking. It, it, yeah. it, it, it took a while for them to get to that point. And I think it's quite notable because I thought at the start of his Napoli spell, you had to credit Ancelotti because here's a coach who's won so much stuff and was quite willing to say at the beginning that I made mistakes at Bayern. And I've got to look at that. And he recognised, I think, the drop-off in intensity between Guardiola and himself. And he recognised the potential for that to happen between Sadi and himself. But on the other hand, it's quite noticeable that it's kind of fallen apart yeah. in a similar time but, but scale. He, he didn't avoid it. He obviously he clearly hasn't avoided that. But he I can think, identify, but he hasn't avoided it. I think it. one of the things that Ancelotti has been kind of keen to, to, to stress over the last few hours is that you know people, because there was a mutiny here, they think that mutiny was against me. Yeah. It wasn't against me. It was against the decision by the club to impose this detention. Mm. Were there issues between me and players at Bayern? Yes, there absolutely were. And mm. that was my undoing. Mm. But here, not the case. To your point about Ancelotti's tactics, what kind of tactician is he? I think he's still a very sophisticated guy who's shown himself able to move with the times in a way that other managers have not. Mm. You know, I think most people thought that Jose Mourinho, for example, needed to take his time out of the game to update his methodology and Definitely. come back mm. with yeah, more willing to play a different brand of football. Ancelotti's always moved with the times. And I'm sorry, but this is a guy who in the last two years has played, what, four games against Liverpool 
He's mm. beaten them twice. Mm. He's drawn once and he's lost only one of those games. And that was quite unlucky. You think of yeah, the absolutely. save that Milik, uh, uh, Alisson made on Milik. Milik yeah. So, but I do think when it comes to, it, it's interesting that it does often come back to, to training. It does often come back to the staff that he has. Um, yeah, um, which again I think is not entirely fair. People look at the fact that his son is his assistant. His son has done every kind of coaching qualification that there there possibly is. Hmm. I don't think you can say he's Rakamandato, as they say in Italy, which is basically he's he's got the job because his dad's Carlo Ancelotti. I think he he's done everything to kind of get himself in a position where he deserves to be where he is. But that is often a, something that is a flag media for clubs to say hang on a minute is this what the issue is with mm. the players that mm. they don't feel that they can there's no there's no good cop to the bad cop you know what I mean there's no bad cop with Carlo Ancelotti no. <laughs> he's, he's too avuncular mm. um, but yeah in terms of where he where he lands next you know I think he wants to have another go at the Premier League I think we'll have to see um, what, what happens with him um, because I I, I I think with Arsenal, for example, is that a right fit? I don't know. I don't know if the. I don't feel that the club believe it is. Um, I, I think they're looking for a different profile. But we'll get to a stage where whether they can actually attract the profile that they want, um, mm. and get that p- person in on time, and then see what results are like at the s- simultaneously with Freddie Jundberg. Yeah, it, it could be just a waiting game there, where you're mm. just like, actually, our our options. Any less better than Carlo Ancelotti? He's been. He's been it's, hard, of, it's hard. To, it's, I mean, his CV will go up against anyone. They've also <laughs> exactly. got. They've also got to pay him yeah. as well. This is Arsenal we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's, so. he's 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 one of the I think more reasonable names that's been linked with the job so far. I can't think of many better coaches who've been linked with the Arsenal job, like realistically so far. Hmm. Um, and clearly, they're going to need a, a certain type of manager. We've we've talked about this before, and like I think the idea that someone like Arteta is going to come in and, and and sort of be able to sort of imprint his ideas on 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 a squad that's quite disparate at the moment. I suppose that is the thing that you'd think that he left behind for whatever reason a kind of a, a quite loose situation at Napoli, and he, he would be inheriting quite a loose situation at, at Arsenal. That would be yes, the concern. Absolutely, not, not, that's not, a really key point. Not, not necessarily a criticism of him as a coach, no. But is he necessarily well, the right coach to take on that situation? I would follow up on that and say I think the culture at Arsenal's been rotten for a very long time, from top to bottom. Whether you look at the fan culture, you look at how the club is run, or you look at the players and their behaviour, you look at the type of um, the managerial situation they've had. That's uh, what, that's why the Luis Enrique link before he retook the Spain job was. Was, was was such an interesting one. Well, I, not, I, I not think, necessarily I think, because he's the best coach on the market. He was the but best. He's coach a, fit, on the he's a good fit, exactly, because he's the sort of guy who would come in and there is a philosophy of football, but at the same time, he's not concerned about hurting people's feelings. Like when when he right. went in with Spain, for example, he was like, "Well, yeah, you have had a rough time, but you also haven't been good enough. Yeah, so fine. let's get our asses in gear." And, and I don't think Mikel Arteta it's too big a job for him at this yeah. point. And I think Ancelotti just isn't the right fit for him because of the because of the kind of guy he is. I mean, James, you might disagree with that, but from 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 what I see, it looks like it's I don't think it's quite a poison chalice yet because it's still a big club with great resources and it just needs someone revolutionary to come in there and over and overhaul it. And a lot of top coaches do like to do that. But it's probably as near as you're going to get to a poison chalice at, at the moment, given what's going on there. And you wonder whether Ancelotti would be the right fit for that based on what Andy and I are saying. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Carlo has always been someone who, let's say more recently, has come in and maintained for, for a while the situation that he inherited. Um, and then when it's come to kind of just untying the team mm. from pre- his predecessor, be yeah. it Pep, be it Maurizio Sarri, it's that's, hard. that's when he's tried to imp- impose on a team which had, had a very, very defined identity. Yeah. Something slightly different. Uh, it's, been, it's been difficult, I think, even though I don't think he's... His his tactics are arcane or anything like that. I think quite the opposite, actually. I think uh, watching watching a lot of Napoli's games, I've looked at certainly how they set up in attacking situations and think this is very 2019. Mm. There's nothing. There's nothing 1990 about this. Um, but I think in terms of where Arsenal are at now, I think 
in some respects, they are right um, to to look at things and think: Is Carlo Ancelotti the right person for us right now? I think he's he's still a coach who can do a very good job at the very top of the game. Mm. Um, but in terms of a rebuild, uh, which is something that Arsenal need, I think still. Yeah, that's not, that's not the right is, fit. When he was in at Chelsea, oh yeah. nine to obviously won the double. Of course, mm. you look at the characters and the players he had in, in that squad yeah. for at least one of those seasons. It was big names, big established players at the club, and, and he could I go think, in there and, and lead that team. Mm. And he was incredibly successful doing so. Yeah, and the Arsenal situation would, now is he's going into something completely different. If he went there, yeah. totally. And I think people would say he extended careers at Chelsea, just like he extended careers at, uh, at Milan unfortunately a lot of the public discourse around Ancelotti is A of people who haven't watched Napoli much or watched Bayern much under Ancelotti and B people who either think yes he's the saviour or B he's a busted flush whereas none of neither of those things are actually true mm. All right, chaps, I've got a little vote for you. Show of hands. There's three a of vote. us here. There's three of us here. We should be, <laughs> we should be, exactly. We should be able to uh, get, a, get a clear majority, right. unlike what I expect we'll see today. Get, get me a sharp pencil and we'll talk about it. Okay, the options are, would you like to talk about Joaquin scoring a hat-trick at 38, breaking Alfredo De Stefano's record? Or would you like to talk about Sergio Conceição accused of hitting another manager in the face? I'd like, like to talk about Sergio Conceição because I think that unites us both. That's one hand. What do you want to do? I'm with Andy. Let's do it. Motion carried. Yeah, let's have it. So right. um, that's what Sergio Conte said, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently, we don't know yet. Yeah, let's not go hold yeah. Derek Bentley on this. <laughs> yeah. So what, um, Andy? Just, I mean, that's that's quite an explosive way of putting it, and I've done that on purpose. And um, legal problems be damned. What, um, what, what's actually happened here? Well, no, we can say exactly what happened and what great what, what the facts are. That's a good thing. Um, so Porto drew at Belenenses last weekend. Uh, which was a poor result for them. It means they're now four points behind Benfica at, at the top. Bear in mind that Porto won the first classical of the the, the, the season as well, so they'll feel they they should be in a in in a good place. Um, now there was a, a bit of a dispute at half time that that is clear between uh, Pedro Ribeiro, um, the coach of Belenenses, who's the youngest coach in the league uh, at, at 34, took over from Silas, who's now at Sporting um, earlier this season. And Concisau, who's rather more experienced and rather more sure of himself, they're exchanging words at half time in the tunnel. And there was a video released by SIC, one of the news channels, um, that uh, showed Pedro Ibero going, um, he, he hit me, he hit me. I've, I, haven't, I haven't done anything to anyone. He's hit me. This is a disgrace. This is a disgrace. So what we know... No one's saying anything for the moment. Right. But what we know is that they were arguing that Pedro Ribeiro has said he's been hit. He's not come out and say, Consasau has, 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 has hit me. Yeah. Um, Consasau has said he's not going to talk about the situation until after the pivotal Europa League game on Thursday night um, against Feyenoord. And if Porto win, they'll, they'll go through, having looked a bit vulnerable at, um, uh, earlier in the, the, the group stage. Um but there's been a lot of talk about it from the back of, of, of that video. And the fact is where Belenenses play now, and there's been a bit of a schism in the club. It's quite complicated. It's something we can talk about at, at another point because it's mm. a really fascinating story for, for one of the grand old clubs of Portugal and one of the few champions outside Ostres Grandes. But the Belenenses that are in the top flight um, are playing um, at uh, Estadio Nacional. Uh, which is uh, Jamor, where they have the cup final, where Celtic won the European Cup in in '67, and even though it's quite an antiquated old stadium, old stadium, although it's beautifully appointed and all the rest of it, the interesting thing is it has working security cameras, both in the entrance and the exit to the tunnel, and in inside the tunnel. So um, it I looks should have like, thought of that should have cased the joint first, shouldn't they? <laughs> exactly. So the disciplinary commission of the league. Um, can have access to those tapes if if if, if they want them. Right. Um, the bottom line is, if something has happened, if Concesao has hit Pedro Ribeiro, um, the articles of the league say that he could be given anything from 22 days 
to nine months worth of suspension. It's quite a big window. So this it is. Yeah. It is. It's big. So we're going to see what happens. It's, it's a story that's going to develop over the next little while. Um, I'm going mean, to choose we... to follow that one instead of election night current. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sergio Conte Sal, it looks like these days. He's got that, he's still got that kind of grey flecked beard. You he wouldn't cross him. But, yeah. uh, he, I... he looks like the kind of guy who would be really friendly to you, but he'd be so friendly, you'd be mistrusting of it, and then he would just turn on you. Yeah, well, I mean, he was feisty in the... In the knockout games between Roma and uh, and Porto last year, and his team are feisty, right? Very feisty. Um, but when Andy was uh, telling that story, it reminded me. I was like, how many other kind of sort of tunnel fracas kind of caught on CCTV are there? And I was like, Porto, Hulky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Christi- like, Christian Saponaru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was uh, the Tunnel Deluge, uh, the Estadio <laughs> Deluge. We'll watch. We'll watch what happens with interest. Uh, so that that will that will be interesting for precedent this season. More recent precedent. Wow. Um, we we had an incident between um, Bovista and Sporting when um, Bruno Fernandes was sent off. Of course, player who's got a lot of interest amongst our listenership. I know when he was sent off, he kicked in a door on his way back to the the, the changing room after he was sent off. Now that was sent a sent away to the um, disciplinary commission. The d- disciplinary commission asked for the video and that they got that from the Estadio de Bessa. They had a look and they said, well, you know what? He, he, he paid the damages. Um, Bovista aren't pissed off. So we, we, we're just going okay. to leave it. That didn't so involve another human being, did it? That just involved the door. Yeah, that 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 is that is true. But uh, so much of it depends on whether Pedro Ribeiro is going to push through his complaint, but I'm really interested to see how this turns out. I mean, my feeling is that Concesal at some point will end up getting a good job in Serie A. He's an absolutely fantastic coach. We know he's got that Italian connection already. Mm. He's a good tactician. He's, he's got a strong identity of playing. He's built a great reputation at Porto. The, the question is who would be next for Porto? Now, I think there are, there are a few options. First, Marco Silva is going to have to rebuild his reputation somewhere. He was offered the job before Concesao and Porto must be so glad that he turned it down and Concesao took it because he's done an absolutely brilliant job. Well, I hope Porto haven't been watching any Everton games this season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and and the, the other one has to be Jorge Jesus, who seems to be in the newspapers in Portugal more since he's gone to Flamengo. Than... It's a great flex, though, going to Flamengo. It's just a great I mean, flex. I love that he's done that. Manager of the year. It's brilliant. It's amazing. Man, manager of the year. It's amazing. I don't care. Just give it to Jorge Jesus. Is, yeah. this, is this ramble bias just because he looks like an older Marcus? He looks like Marcus Bell's dad, yeah. And that's why I'll <laughs> always be very, very welcome around these parts. If you're listening, George, you're welcome wherever you, whenever you want to come in. Um, let's not go too much into uh, Joaquin Betis. We know all about Joaquin. We love him. He's done brilliant. He's old. He's brilliant. Still great. Everyone knows that. Breastfed till he was seven. There we go. You can never, ever get away without saying that. No. I, I actually forgot about that until I saw you on Monday and you were talking about it in the office. Um, I thought, I was only talking about breastfeeding again. Oh, it's whacking. Um, so good on him for doing that and getting that record at 38, giving us old people uh, hope. Um, games of the week. Uh, I'm just going to go straight in there and go Napoli v Palmer just because I'm fascinated to see what happens with Cattuso. Palmer and Napoli are quite similar in terms of how well they've done this season. So that'll be a sort of decent test mm. for, for Cattuso. Um, James, what's your game of the week this weekend? It's going to be the Derby della Lanterna, which is the Genoa derby. Uh, both of these teams in kind of regular relegation I think there's only a point separating uh, the two. Obviously, both have changed managers as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Samp have got Claudio Ranieri in charge and you've got uh, General with Thiago Motta, who was his player at Inter. Nice. And uh, Inter were on a, I think, eight-game winning streak on the Ranieri and then Thiago Motta was like, ah, fancy going to PSG. <laughs> and he went to PSG against uh, Claudio's will and everything fell apart for Claudio and he got the sack. So... <laughs> It's going to be an interesting one, that. It will be. That's great. Good subtext, good narrative around that one. Andy? I'm going to bend the Game of the Week rules, and it is a game that's going to happen before we're, we're next in your ears. There's a full uh, Bundesliga uh, midweek programme uh, coming up, a, a full English Awoka before Christmas, and uh, the highlight of the English Awoka is uh, Dortmund versus Leipzig, which is on Tuesday night. Real, real biggie that. And we'll see if Dortmund have, have genuinely uh, recovered or they've just papered under the cracks under Lucien Favre, because that is a, a real uh, big one at the top of the table. 
And they call it, when there's an extra game during the week, they call it an English week. Yeah. That's brilliant. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Was a Stakhanov production. So I do it again. My fucking stomach's rumbling mad. I couldn't have my, <laughs> I couldn't have my porridge because I run out of time. Come on, that again, mate. Just come off, pick up the top of the sentence, please. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.